to one. Great Alley. I'm the dude, Michael Vincent, and he's Dooner. What's up, my brother? Man, I'm excited. It's ladies' night on What the Truck. We're continuing our back-to-school week on this show as we welcome university distinguished professor Lisa Elram. She's from Miami University. Plus, man, we have a couple ladies, a couple ladies calling in from the road. Ingrid Brown and Calissa Carver. She's big rig Barbie. They're rolling big iron and helping move America on this episode of Women Moving America. And hey, we even have a play it forward, Michael Vincent. But I got to ask Wait. you, you know, I, all this talk about school, college football coming back, it's making me think about the fall. What's your favorite part of it? You know, Dooner, it's that first morning where it's a little bit crisp outside. I get outside and I smell it. And and I just have this urge to strap on a helmet and rip the rib cage out of some crossing tight end coming on a crossing, crossing pattern. It just gets my blood going. But uh, besides that, really, I'm kind of a closet uh, Clark uh, Griswold, man. I light up the house blow ups like crazy all over the yard and everything for Halloween and Christmas. I, I go all out, man. It's 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 a menagerie. <laughs> nice. And I got the comments. I got the comments open on LinkedIn. Brian Ritchie's already tuning in. He says, uh, LFQ. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, uh, question. I don't know. I'm not sure what LFQ means. <laughs> Wayne Craig says, Hey guys, uh, you guys from Austin, Texas. Uh, for me, fall man, it's all about, it's all about football. It's all about that cooler weather. It's all about the foliage, a chance to look ahead, you know, being that much closer to 2020. But, you know, we're still in a dark room barefoot with, uh, Legos all over the carpet. Yeah, we certainly are very sharp Legos. Those things hurt, my friend. So you're a big pumpkin spice guy? I thought you'd said you'd be looking forward to all the pumpkin spice lattes, et cetera. Uh, I like pumpkin pie. I like pumpkin pie ice cream, things like that, but I'm not really in the muffins or the coffee. I could do without it. Yeah, I got it. That's kind of my least favorite part about the fall is the pumpkin spice everything, man. Uh, and Jody <laughs> says, hello. Jody Byer says, hello all from Marietta, Georgia. Bobby Leach, hey there from all Tulsa, right. Oklahoma. Mark C is in from St. Augusta. Keep them coming, guys. Where are you tuning in from? We're looking forward to this episode. But right now, we got to tip the band, right? September. We September. If you notice, past show, bunch of drivers on this show, bunch of drivers. September is Pro Driver Appreciation Month, and Pilot Flying J is celebrating with a free drink every day in their app. Yeah, it's that good. It's a deal. It's a different deal every day. So log in, see what's new, see PilotFlyingJ.com for those terms and those conditions, Michael Vincent. I will do it, man. I will do it. All right, let's get to it. We're all non-alcoholic drinks, buddy. Pricing Power Index, man. DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index. Spot rates up 33% year over year and trending higher. Is the peak near? I'm not sure. Let's see. This week's DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index is at an 85 of the carriers. It's been stuck there for a while now, uh, which is a good thing if you're a carrier, of course. DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power uses a bunch of analytics and sonar to rate the pricing strength in the market. 100 is for the carriers. Zero is for the shippers. 85 is a very strong position. And when it hit 85, it was at the highest the uh, the gauge has gone. It just hasn't moved from there, but still very strong. And the reason for that is, uh, what do we got going on? 275 per mile on a national basis. Uh, volumes are up 18% year over year. They're at a three-year high. I know you talked a little bit about this earlier in the day as a fill-in on, on the spot. Give me a little context. Yeah, so I mean, there's some that think that it's uh, that want to talk about the the fact that capacity is tight because of fragmentation and irregular routing and that type of thing, but that doesn't see and, and capacity just not being in the right place. But that's not what we're seeing. There are no markets where it's just capacity is really loose. It's even double digit rejections out of Miami uh, it, to give you some context. There's tight capacity everywhere. Yes, there is. What, what did Jim Monk Mayor have to say about that? Oh, yeah. Well, Jim Munkmeyer, president of uh, Transportation DHL Supply Chain North America, stated to FreightWaves that freight volumes are currently well above 2018 or 2019 levels, despite the high levels of unemployment. The fact is that this demand is not related to seasonal peak trends. It appears to be supported mainly by economic stimulus efforts and growth in consumer spending and companies catching up on inventories and orders from earlier in the year. Demand is outstripping capacity, which is good for carriers who are being selective in the low that they are accept that they accept for tender and are driving rates up exactly what we're seeing in the market as well. Yep, only accepting what three out of every four tenders. Yeah, that, that's about right. I mean, that's nationwide, and you've got some uh, markets where it's it's 
one out of every two that they're that they're accepting. Erie, Pennsylvania, for example, and even Chicago is getting in the game. It's like a third are being rejected. So it, it's uh, it's all over the board. Harrisburg, a third are being are being rejected. So capacity is tight everywhere. Yeah, yeah. and it's a strong trend. It does not look like it's going away. And like we said yesterday, talking with uh, Chris Richards, uh, uh, international sales uh, manager at Steam. The, the international and the imports, he sees nothing slowing down. They're out to four to six weeks lead time just to book capacity from uh, China, from Asia into uh, east to the United States. Yep. Let's get to some headlines. Here's good news. More good news. Uh, you know, I, I like that we get to cover freight, especially recently, because covering general news, a lot of bad stuff going on. But in our little world uh, so far, great headlines, you know, good, good news for the carriers. Good news for trucking yeah. jobs. Trucking jobs rise by 10,000 in August. Trucking transportation jobs rose by 10,000 in August. John Kingston reports on a seasonally adjusted basis, according to data released Friday by the BLS. The data also showed a slight adjustment upward in the number of transportation jobs in July. So all good signals. Yeah, absolutely. The BLS, uh, the BLS reported seasonally adjusted truck transportation jobs in August totaled 1,449,500. And that was up uh, an even 10,000 from July number of 1,439,500. Uh, uh, so the July or 1,439,000, the July figure, which remains preliminary, was adjusted up by 900 jobs from what was released last month. The first number for July was reported at 1.438 million. Uh, Kelly Mansfield says so she loves Kelly Mansfield says she loves the pumpkin spice, especially a hot latte. Maria Kress, she says hello from Tennessee. Brian Ritchie is here to bring the laughter. Matt Henning wants to know what pumpkin spice ever did to you, Michael Vincent. Uh, too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much. And Eric Serta is in from El Paso. Keep it coming, guys. Love hearing from you. July trial is set. This is the who's on first of trials. July trial set in Prime Inc.'s trademark lawsuit against Amazon. Amazon is being accused of somehow tarnishing and degrading the reefer specialist reputation. Yeah, that's absolutely right. A, a February 2022 trial date has been set in Prime Incorporated's lawsuit f- against Amazon in which the truckload carrier accuses Amazon of trademark infringement. So in a couple of years, maybe they'll get uh, something settled. <laughs> yeah, Amazon, Amazon's use of the word Prime on trailers moving packages to retail and online customers causes Prime to lose money and allows Amazon to profit at Prime's expense. That's what Prime is contending which prime is which it, again it's the uh, who's on first of cases i guess we'll see how that pans out i'm not really sure how much this impacts anybody outside of of that that lawsuit but sort of interesting it's like you know you got a company out there called prime amazon starts a division prime it gets so big they move it onto their trailers and then suddenly i don't know you get this going on yeah it's going to be a jury trial too is from what i understand can you imagine how many times you're going to ask for the transcripts back which prime said what what which which one of the primes who wait a minute <laughs> Are you, you're, I guess you'll have to specify. You'll have to either say Prime Inc. or Amazon Prime, or it's just going to cause this uh, this massive confusion. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Has it confused you, Dooner? Are you confused by Amazon Prime or Prime Inc.? Not in the least, but, uh, you know, we're, we're in this industry. No. You want to what? Let's call up Ingrid Brown. Let's get her on the horn. Let's, let's get this show kicked off with our guest. Right on. Please enjoy this Verizon ring back zone while you're party your seat. Hello. Hey, Ingrid Brown. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining Dooner and the dude on the air on What the Truck. For Freightways Radio listeners, they definitely know you. You come on about once every other week as my uh, eyes and ears of the road telling me about your journey driving the truck, what you're doing for safety and all of that kind of stuff. If you don't know Ingrid Brown, I know a lot of you do in the comments. She's also a cancer survivor. She's got a great truck name, Miss Faitha. Ingrid, how's that for an introduction? How are you doing today? I'm just um, speechless. Wow, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Hi, guys. I love days like this, and I love being here with you guys. Awesome, Ingrid. Welcome to the show. This is Mike Vincent. So, Ingrid, how's the road been treating you lately? It's been treating me pretty good. I mean, I can't ever say in the last 40 years it hasn't been. Um, I really kind of started maybe thinking of slowing down a little bit. I know that's going to shock a lot of people a little bit, but uh, yeah, just kind of uh, smelling the roses a little more. Um, it's really kind of quiet still. Uh, you know, the hurricanes picked up a lot of things, but at the same time, 
Um, you know, we're back on the uh, emergency declaration of, of trying to get everything stored up for food. And but it's real quiet. I mean, it's uh, it's it's where you're able to slow down a little bit and realize what's happened to us lately in the industry and in the country in the last eight, nine months. And um, it's been pretty neat. It's, it's been nice because we've been sharing a lot of stories with each other uh, out here. Um, I sat at, at the Petro the other day and, and shared a couple of stories there with people. They were telling me about what all they had been doing through the pandemic and where they had been. And it's really interesting to find out what people have really done and what they're doing that nobody really knows about. What, what so, was the uh, most interesting thing that you heard in having those conversations? I think it was the fact of the pride. I think it's the fact that people honestly saw their role as being a driver out here, that they actually saw themselves as being appreciated. And it, 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 you could just hear in one gentleman's voice, and he's been out here 21, I think it's 21 years. And he said, I, I thought I had a purpose. And I have a purpose now today because now I'm seeing that what I do isn't just ride down the road anymore. I'm actually doing something. Oh. And it, it really may, I mean, people, it, it, it's not just making people aware around us of what we do, but it's making drivers aware of what we do and what they do. And it's pretty cool because they're realizing that, wow, I appreciate what I do as well as I'm being appreciated. Ingrid, so, Ingrid, let me, Ingrid, let me ask you something now. So you said that you're thinking of slowing down. And I know that when I'm thinking of doing stuff like that, I start to get reflective on, on my career and my journey and things like that. Not that I'm thinking of slowing down now, but when I've left other industries, now, you've been driving a truck for a while now. And the, part of the aim of this show is to inspire some young women out there to get behind the wheel, get in supply chain, tell women that this is, this is a place that they can, they can make a career out of. But what made you get behind the wheel of a truck in the first place? I started, uh, my dad had a road construction company, and I just loved heavy equipment. I'm sitting here watching a dozer right now, wanting to get on it. Um, I learned to run those when I was young, and I got in trucks, but I realized when I was running from home down to Daytona and stuff like that, that, you know, the people and the places were the things I wanted to see, and I knew the way to do that would be, I mean, getting a truck. Plus, I loved being able to the accomplishment of backing in a dock. I had a dock this past week. I ran to California and had a dock this past week and I worried myself sick. I'm like, I've done this this long, but I'm not going to get in that dock. It ain't going to happen. And then afterwards it was like, Oh yeah. I'm so happy. You know, I was so proud of myself and it was okay. I didn't need anybody else there to be, you know, pat me on the back. I was just, I just had that, that, ah, it's that energy level that kicks up and I don't do anything different. Anybody else can do. There is nobody in this world that can't come out and do what I've done in 40 years. Nobody, anybody can do it. They just have to want to, they have to, you know, put themselves in the position to learn, learn everything you can, whether it be from schools, companies. Um, there's so many people out there, but learn from other drivers. Learn from the people that's, that came before you, whether it was six months before you, what would they change? Whether it was 40 years before you, what did they change? It, it's such a cool thing because I'm staying in the industry whether I slow down or not. Uh, I'm going to be, be uh, on my, my times of slowing down. I'm going to be uh, working operations and stuff like that and, and still doing all my safety stuff and still trucking. I mean, I, I went to California this weekend and got back yes day. So, I mean, I'm still going to be doing that, but yeah, I, the whole reflection is you never have to leave something as great as the transportation industry. And I say it's great because it's been too good to me. Let me tell you more than I deserve. That's awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, Ingrid, and great, great advice. Really love to hear that. And as everybody knows, it is an election year, right? But Obviously, there's more to vote on than just politicians. And you've got a call to action uh, going on for women heroes of the highway. Can we talk about that a little bit? Can you, can you expand I on that? I do. I do. Uh, Women in Trucking Association had put out what's called I Heart Radio. And it's a I Heart. I'm not real sorry. I'm I Heart Photo. And every year they bring up a theme. And this year it was women heroes. What is, give us a superhero pose in front of your truck, especially how did you feel through the pandemic? Did you feel like you were a hero that you were going out and, and doing 
supernatural things. And uh, I chose one that was was submitted and, and uh, shared with me uh, when I became the, I wrote our safety voice of safety for FMCSA. And I look back at the other ones that are there. And if she, everybody will just go and look, go to women in trucking with, and look at the page. You can go online, you can go in LinkedIn, you can go Facebook, you can go Instagram. These women are amazing. And the things that they have tried, they've come up with to show you their strengths. Um, some are trying to lift the front end of a truck in a picture. And some of them have taken their trucks and given them themes and names. And this is a way that, you know, I don't consider myself a hero. Ingrid, Ingrid, what was, like your, Ingrid what was your superhero pose? My Sierra superhero pose was just standing in front of his face. Oh, okay, <laughs> similar to uh, similar. I'm looking at your collar graphic. You got the nice Canadian tuxedo going on. I think uh, my engineer was saying I could pull that off too. I said, yeah, I would just need like a denim cowboy hat to go with it. Maybe a little rhinestones. You and I could be like the Wonder Twins out there. We could. This would be the TNI. The TNI. How about that, Michael? We got to throw, hey, TMI. There you go. We got it going on. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You can just call it Tim, T I M, too, right? There's an acronym. Oh, we could. Oh, we could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, or Dim, Dooner, Ingrid, and Michael. We could just be the Dim crew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're our own weakness. Oh. Team I because you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> hey, Ingrid, we, we, have a, we have a couple minutes left, but you're involved with a lot of safety groups. We just had CSVA Safety Week that just passed. Uh, there a lot less citations this year than usual, but speeding was up a little bit. Uh, what kind of message you got on safety going on right now? What are you talking about to those organizations? Um, right now, the big thing is safety in construction areas and construction zones, because those are really, some are gearing up, some are coming down for the fall, and is to remember that, you know, don't chase the clock, watch those in front of you. We've had too many rear-ended lately in, in, in uh, safety zones and construction zones. Uh, drive ahead. Drive, drive ahead of what you're going. Um that's the greatest, biggest thing. And educate somebody that doesn't know how to maneuver around a tractor and trailer. Hey guys, All you got to do is give them a little tip. Nico Brown said the dimwits. I, I don't know. Let's give him a, do I have a boom sound on here? I don't. I can give him this one. I'll give him, give him a boom tip. Yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> well, Ingrid, I imagine, I imagine part of the safety issue is, is driving and driving those long hours. And you just, you, you, stop paying attention, lose a little bit of interest in exactly what you're doing. Is there yeah. any advice there to keep that interest in it? And like you said, drive ahead, drive forward. Yeah. The complacency that becomes when you're driving 11 hour shifts, you know, you may drive two, you may drive eight, you may, whatever is the fact, you know, uh, don't become complacent. Realize whenever you are getting to that area that, Oh my gosh, did I just go past what exit am I at? Oh wow! I really am this far. When you get when you start asking yourself that question, you need to stop, walk around, get yourself back in the game, get your head where it should be, where it's got to be. Because without your head being there, you're not safe, and nobody around you is either. Yeah, you need the head. You need the head to to, to look around and move to talk. You know, we got thirty. I got thirty seconds left with you. What's your elevator pitch to young girls who are thinking of getting behind the wheel for the first time? What, what would you like them to know about getting behind the wheel in 2020? Don't think you can't do this. Don't ever doubt that you can accomplish what I've accomplished in 40 years. I'm just a vessel of proof that you can do anything you want to do. And those words are my daddy. Wow. Just do it. All right. I'm going to give you a little cowbell for saying it and your daddy a little cowbell too for, uh, for doing it and both of you for acting on it. Ingrid, if you want to go vote on that thing we mentioned earlier, that call to action, where should they go? Go to WIT and go to the photo contest, or you can go to my page anywhere. Uh, a lot of y'all shared thanks to everybody. And just click on the picture, and at the top it says vote, and it has my name. Thank you. you can't miss me. <laughs> we, we don't. We only miss you when you're not on the air, Ingrid. Thank you so Aww. much for your time today. Thanks, guys. I love y'all. I appreciate you. Have a great holiday. God bless and be careful. You too. Take care. Wow. Peace and love, Ingrid. Yeah, Ingrid. Ingrid's Here good. you go, man. Ingrid's, Ingrid's, Ingrid's he, she's my girl. 
Yeah, Team Dim is has been born today. Yeah, mark it down. I, I like it, and you know we're gonna call another driver on the road too, Clarissa Cal- Carver. She's a uh, she's big rig Barbie, and this is one of those situations where when we were doing back to trucking school, she made a comment in the comment section here, right? And it was a comment about owning a truck, and we're like, wow. That's really interesting. We have to get Big Rig Barbie on the air, and here she is now, Calista Carver. She's known as Big Rig Barbie. She is now on the air live on What the Truck Would Do in the Dude. Calista, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. You know, so we we just talked to Ingrid Brown. She's a veteran driver. On today's show, one of the purpose is we're talking to a lot of women leaders in supply chain, women truck drivers, that kind of thing, trying to inspire young women to uh, – to, to get behind the wheel. You've turned a little interesting career out of it. So introduce yourself a little bit to my audience who may not be familiar. Well, I'm Kalisa Carver. I'm an OTR company driver and trainer at Magnum LTD. Just wanted to make that distinction. Um, but most people know me from my social media as Big Rig Barbie. She's my alter ego. <laughs> so I'm very popular as Big Rig Barbie. <laughs> I love it. And like, and you, you know, you made, some, you made some really, really uh, uh, good, insightful comments uh, during during our show uh, earlier earlier in the week. Uh, but can you give us how long have you been driving? How long has your experience been there? Um, five years. I've been doing this for five years. Closer. What made you jump behind the wheel? You know, we talked to Ingrid and, and she was inspired by her her dad and by looking at tractors and just wanting to, to sort of take control of her career. What was it for you? Well, I always loved the industry, um, loved big trucks and the idea of being a powerful woman. And so um, getting behind the wheel of a big truck is something that a lot of women say, well, I, I don't think I could do that. But if, if you can believe in yourself and say, hey, this is something that I can do, I'd like to do, um, it's so rewarding. It's, uh, it's great. It's a great line of work. And then, of course, um, the money, you know, that's always good. <laughs> you know, you wrote about that. You wrote about the, uh, the gender You said there's no gender equity gap in trucking. You can, you say that about your industry and you're talking about the latest data where 5% of commercial truck drivers are women, a 2% drop from five years ago when you started. What is, what is that like when driving? What kind of experience are women going to have when they get behind the wheel being in, in an industry where 95% of it is a different gender? Well, a lot of it is just the same as the men. That's that's part of the gender equity thing is that we do the same work as the men. We get paid the same amount as the men. There are some challenges out there on the road that are unique to women, for sure. But uh, for the most part, we're out there in the workforce doing the same thing. Ex- excellent stuff. So um, you know, during our last uh, our, our last stream, you brought up some great points when we were talking about uh, owner operators and what they should know. So uh, from your opinion, can you expand on those a little bit and, and kind of revisit that? What should some owner operators know about driving a truck? Yeah, like the business side. Yeah, the business side of it. Well, there were some comments about uh, driver retention per drivers that weren't really prepared for the business side of being an owner operator. And I just came up with a solution that I thought, you know, those would be some neat policies to implement. But as far as actually um, how to run as an owner operator, as a fleet owner, um, those were just some ideas that I came up with. I'm actually a company driver and trainer. I have my project truck, but that's something that I'm working on for shows and things. I was invited to six different truck shows this summer to make appearances as Big Rig Barbie, but they were all canceled. So I just took that as an opportunity to work on my truck for next year. And uh, so just brainstorming with other industry professionals about how um, driving as an owner operator can really work for somebody to uh, keep their momentum going, to practice uh, the good business practices that will uh, give you longevity as an owner operator. Five years in, what do you wish you knew when you started? What have you learned along the way on this journey? I wish I knew that no guys wanted their girlfriend to be a truck driver. Mm. <laughs> no, they appreciate me. Um, from afar, but, uh, it's, it's a bit of a lonely life out here. Um, and people say, well, guys must come up and talk to you all the time, but actually they don't, they, uh, are respectful and, um, maybe in 
intimidated to talk to me. Uh, a lot of us keep to ourselves out here, but um, it's the social aspects, I think, that is the most difficult part of the job. Interesting. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we were talking to Ingrid Brown earlier and they were, they have the women heroes in, in, in trucking and they were doing their, their hero poses. If you were going to do a hero pose, what would your hero pose be? Oh gosh, my hero pose would probably be standing in front of the Peterbilt with, um, my, my most recent trainee, Christine, she and I, um, really hit it off and we talk almost every day. I think that any of the people that I've helped to get into this industry, uh, develop, helping to develop them as a driver are my greatest, um, my, my greatest things that I've been able to do, you know, my, um, is the people that I've helped. That's a really my excellent greatest accolades answer. are the really people that, that I've helped. So be, being a, mo- a mentor and a bridge builder and, a, and imparting your knowledge to those that are new coming into the business. That's a, that's a really, I love it. I love that. Great answer. When I talk to women who are expressing an interest in driving trucks, um, for a lot of them, it's something they've been wanting to do for years. And so the, the no gender equity gap thing is, uh, it really is a real thing. We do the same work. Our rate of pay is dependent upon our level of experience, which is how long we've been doing it, and our safety record. So as a trainer with Magnum LTD, I'm really doing everything I can to assist women entering the workforce as commercial drivers. And I'm so proud of the work that I get to do training women. It's very rewarding to help them reach their goals for sure. You know, Nico Brown, he kind of has a, a training question or joining the industry question. He's a fleet operations consultant, but he says, I have never understood how drivers can do such long hours behind the wheel. The furthest he's generally driven is five or six hours and he's ready to stop. So how do you get the, how do you get the physicality up for, for doing these long drives? Well, that's something that we work on in training too. We'll start off with eight hour days, which is what most people are used to, and then work up because your body actually has to adjust to working those kind of hours, to driving out your 11. Um, so something that comes naturally with time, but it does take time for, for your body to acclimate to this kind of work. Mm. Yeah, oh. it does. And driving those long hours, et cetera, I mean... Nico talks about five, six hours and he's got out of cab. We talked to Ingrid about this and you get that complacency when you're driving or the fam- familiarity and all of a sudden what stop, you know, what, what exit am I at? What's going on there? What's your advice there? And how do you train people on that, on the complacency issue of driving such long hours? Oh, the highway hypnosis is a real thing. Well, combating driver fatigue, you got to have a healthy strategy for um, doing this work getting your rest, eating properly, maybe take some vitamins, be sure to drink your water. Those are some of the basic things that I would say any driver would want to focus on. But then also uh, taking your breaks. I like to take a break every couple of hours. If you're not taking a pee break every couple of hours, you need to drink more water. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's Um, a good point. Also... Yeah, you know, listening to shows on the radio can help you to, uh, you know, don't listen to low music, like something that's upbeat. And even some drivers will uh, network with others saying, okay, I'm going to be breaking night tonight. Let's stay on the phone with each other. And so we'll have kind of the buddy system to talk to each other while we're driving and that kind of helps to stave off the highway hypnosis. But mostly I think it's just really focusing on the safety aspect. You know, run your truck like a goody two-shoes. Do everything that you're supposed to do. Uh, Don't be distracted. Of course, there are distractions out there that we all know about. And so don't just come to any of that. And um, just make it a priority, your safety and safety of others on the road. That's your priority. Hey, before we let you go, because we got to get to our next guest, I just had a question. Do you have a CB radio in your truck? And what's the weirdest thing that you've heard over that? I'm always fascinated by these stories. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh gosh, yes, I have a CD, and <laughs> the weirdest thing—I don't think that I can um, say it on the air right now. I have a censor but- button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not no comment. Okay, um, well. but something that I wanted to touch on before we go: um, most of the content that I post on my social media is pictures of me and videos, but also the pink and purple trucks. So the pink trucks, um, you'll see them. Most of them have the pink ribbon for breast cancer awareness. Susan G. Cummins Foundation in North America and in Australia, the McGrady Foundation both benefit from increasing visibility, this worthy cause, which is the race for the cure for breast cancer. But then the Purple Trucks um, have been paying tribute to service members who've been awarded the Purple Heart, most recently raising awareness of the Wounded Warrior Foundation. So this nonprofit um, supports people impacted by injuries sustained in the line of duty while serving in the armed forces very worthy cause that most if not all truck drivers really respect and want to support so i wanted to give a plug for those two great great um great worthy causes and i'm founding a nonprofit called driver development services it's an outreach to anyone who'd like to obtain a class a cbl because i talked to so many people there are more than a few who asked me how to get into truck driving driver development something i'm doing all the time this is a way for me to do it in a more official capacity uh, using a nonprofit model to work with people who face challenges getting a cdl pair them with recruiters who offer company-sponsored truck driving schools that's something I'm doing in my spare time, but I'd like to expand on that in the future. Wow. I just little, wanted to get that. Little cowbell for that. Thank you so much for your time today, Calissa Carver. We appreciate it. Uh, great and exciting information at, out of her, man. We just heard from two great women drivers giving uh, inspirational tales about what life is really like out on the road. Yeah, excellent stuff and and very worthy causes that, that she brought up, uh, Big Rig uh, Barbie. And I really, I truly, I, I love what she said about her superhero pose. All right, being t- the mentor, now we're, training we're, the new. Today we're talking about women moving America, and then there's Will, who is moving the dance floor. Will Harwood, thank you for joining <laughs> us today on What the Truck to Play It Forward. You got it, man. Good to talk to you, fellas. I love the show. You, uh, you're going to make some people, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we bring guests on who play music, and it's, it's intimidating, sometimes maybe to a fault, that it makes, like, oh, I need this really hugely produced track. You, you sent us a very good track. Can you introduce it for us before I hit the play button here? Yeah, so uh, if I remember correctly, I sent you guys the Danger Zones, right? Yeah. So that's off a re- that's a record that my brother and I did uh, called the Haraway Brothers' Wish You Love and Luck in the World. Um, you know, because uh, we do. We <laughs> are positive dudes. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it's actually sort of a fictionalized story of our other band, the Sundogs. Um, it's not entirely true, but there's plenty of true parts in it, you know. Uh, so... Uh, uh, especially, I'm trying to think, what, what's the second part of that? Uh, I don't know, just the lyrics are just, you know, just trying to be funny. That's, love the, just trying to trying to match melody with with humor as much as possible. All right, Will, Will Harry, founder at Lead Coverage. I'm going to play his track right now. We'll catch you on the other side of it, Will. Songs. 
meaty that was good man and if you listen to the audio version i think we might have the the, the full track on there and if you go on uh, spotify right you got a, you got a bunch of tracks going on will oh yeah 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 that's the whole album that's uh i think that's a nine track album uh uh man i never get tired of hearing that i'll be honest with you i love that uh my brother plays pedal steel and uh, that was the whole point of doing that record really was that i wanted a i wanted a, a, an opportunity for his pedal steel to be like the lead instrument, you know what I mean? And, uh, th- that one, I, I just love the little breaks he has in the, in that, in that particular thing that you just played. So I enjoyed hearing that myself. It's been a second. Well, man, you also, yeah. he, you touched the supply right. chain, right? Your co-founder partner at, uh, at lead coverage. What do you guys do over yeah. there to give you a little, uh, a little plug for that other side of your business for playing oh, forward yeah, with us? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. So lead coverage is a, a we uh, are a full-service marketing agency completely focused on the supply chain and logistics uh, industry. Like that, Those are the only clients that we have. It's the only clients that we look for. Uh, me and my partner, Kara Brown, have both been in the business for, for 20 years now. You know, um, I spent some time at Manhattan Associates. She spent some time at Echo and XPO. So uh, I've, I've always been, uh, you know, kind of plugged in on the, on the public relations and analyst relations side. I've actually done a lot of work with your guys over there, which is great. You have, you have really good editors and really good, you know, really good people over there. Uh, and, and Kara's uh, side of the business uh, was, was focused on lead generation. And, it, and, and once we had like one or two clients that, uh, that, uh, that, that we shared, we realized like, what the heck are we doing? We need to, we need to join this thing up. And uh, that was the last, uh, let's see, about 18 months ago and, and lead coverage was formed, you know? So our, our whole thing is to, is to use uh, media relations coverage to help draw leads and, uh, and and follow those leads all the way through to uh, to sales. I mean that's the that's that's the deal. Everybody needs sales, right? Everybody needs leads. They absolutely they absolutely, they absolutely do. Will and you know through this past year, there's been a lot of changes in our industry. A lot of things have advanced forward very quickly. Has it been the same on your side of the business with the marketing and the lead generation? Have you seen changes it, over the last year? You know, probably the thing that we have seen the most, honestly, is that it has not slowed down one iota. I'm sure you, I know you guys talk about this. I heard you a couple of, uh, a couple of, uh, uh, sessions, you know, uh, episodes before in that it, so this is really supply chain's moment. 
you know, everything with COVID and the pandemic really since it began, I mean, we, we picked up business throughout because if you're a company that has been on the fence about upgrading your supply, you know, whatever part of the supply chain that you've needed to upgrade, be it, you know, a digital freight brokerage or, or, or robots in the warehouse or, you know, even just, uh, you know, upgrading with, with your, your 3PL to take advantage of like a regional supply chain because your overseas stuff has been disrupted. You know, those kind of investments before maybe you were thinking, all right, well, I'll just wait till I have a good quarter, you know, to make that to make that uh, $100,000, million investment, whatever it is, depending on your size of your company. But now you can't afford to do that. Like, you have to do that right now. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's now table stakes for, for, for all companies to, to emphasize efficiency and certainly safety. So from our perspective, it's, it's, it's been a crazy, crazily busy year. Uh, and we're, and, and, and I say that with nothing, but I mean, I'm super thankful, obviously. And, and, and we feel like we're able to tell our clients stories and, and, and help them, you know, craft, uh, the, the best, the best tone, uh, to, to do that. And, you know, certainly with sensitivity and empathy in, in, in these trying times. Will, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for playing it forward. We'll have a link to where you can find his album on Spotify in the show notes for this show when you click on the article. Um, Will, I, once again, man, thanks so much for uh, joining us. you have a website people can go to? Yeah, you can go to, uh, I've got a couple of them. There's there's uh, 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 sundogs.net, which is uh, our band, The Sundogs, and then harrowaybrothers.com. You can check that out for the music. And then for lead coverage, it's leadcoverage.com. Thank you so Absolutely. much, man. Thank yeah, you man. So Thank much, you, sir. guys. I appreciate it. Little cowbell for I the man. I enjoyed listening to that. Playing All right, take forward. it easy. Take care, dude. Wow. Yeah. Another another really good uh, another really good played forward, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go check out that album. I, I really like that song. That was pretty darn good. That was pretty good. I, I've never seen him though. He's got a connection to to Chattanooga as well. I mean, they played River Band Festival here, or River Bend Festival here, a couple of times. He used to play down at the old Rhythm and Brews, just right down the street here from Freight Alley. But I, I never caught him. I wish I did. Love and honor to Miami, our college old and grand. Proudly yeah. we shall over all the land. Fight, fight, fight! All my mother now we praise thee, joyfully this land. Love and honor to Miami, forever and and a day. It is Professor Lisa Elrim, University <laughs> Distinguished Professor over at Miami University in Ohio. Also, my sister's alma mater. I am so uh, so happy to have you on the show today, Lisa. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Well, so, and thank you for saying Miami University. <laughs> yeah. what, do most people, what, what do most people say? Um, University of Miami. Ah. But you do know we were yeah. here first. That would be 1809. <laughs> 1809, they're 1930. I know, and you had, uh, I believe, uh, Brian Pillman is, is an alumni in there, too. He's a former former wrestler, some uh, some really interesting cats. Not just my sister, <laughs> who's been to Miami, but also an amazing and lovely campus over there. <laughs> yes, that's You forgot beautiful. Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got him, too. Um, so, you know what, be, being a professor, though, being a, and this is a show, we're trying to inspire women to to take up education, to jump behind the wheel of a big rig, all of those things. And being a professor, it speaks to a stage of journey, right? A mastery of craft. How did you get here, though? When you were a kid, was this, was this in the mind's eye? No. It definitely wasn't in the mind's eye. And, you know, of course, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as supply chain management. So um, I started out when I graduated from high school before I went to college, I actually worked in a couple of different distribution centers. And that was my first exposure to the whole area of supply chain management. I went on and got a degree in accounting. And I was, I was really lucky because I got a job. I was working for Pillsbury, so food industry. I was really fortunate because I got to work with people in logistics, new product development um, in the transportation area in purchasing within the company because I worked a lot with new products and I worked a lot with the manufacturing facilities. So I really got exposed to all those areas. And that was at the time that really the whole idea of supply chain was just starting to emerge. And I, I decided that that was so much more interesting than being an accountant. So sorry, accountants out there, um, that I decided to go back and and to get my PhD. And I chose the area of logistics actually to get my PhD. And while I was working on my PhD, that was when supply chain management really 
started to emerge. So I did my dissertation um, in global supply chain management, and I've been working in the area for a long time. So, yeah, so it definitely wasn't, but it's been great. I mean, there's so much variety. This is an area where there's so much change. um, And, I mean, really, you should never be bored in supply chain management. Uh, And I love the way that it combines purchasing, it combines different areas of logistics like transportation and distribution. Um, You've got the operations, the manufacturing. So, you know, bringing it all together. And as a career, it's great because a lot of times you can kind of move into those different areas. So you can move around and really get a good perspective. Yeah, couldn't agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more. That that's really good stuff. So, as as we've grown up at Freightways, we've been involved with a, a number of different universities, right? And one of the things that I noticed in talking with them is that there was this desire to try and bring the computer sciences side into the logistics side. Uh, some really strong efforts to try and bring the, what they called the, or the ideation or management logistics man, management supply chain management and the computer sciences together. And I'm interested on your perspective on that proliferation and the evolution of the supply chain programs at the university level, how that has changed over the years? Well, when I I first started, my first job in the early 90s in academia was at Arizona State University. And we had a department called Purchasing and Logistics Management. So we actually changed our name, I think in 1997, to Supply Chain Management. And I'm pretty sure we were the first university in the country to offer a supply chain management degree. Now, we did not um, bring in the computer science side, but we did, you know, and most places do require classes in that area. So the computer science, they have great tools, but they're all about the tools versus the application of the tools. And we're really all about using them. So, yeah. so it's a good it's a good marriage to take some classes in that area and bring them in, but um, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Mm-hmm. Academically, uh, we don't necessarily get along well because we have very different philosophies of life. We respect each other, but we just don't uh, we don't move in the same circle. Ooh, I know? like I like the feud. I like that. It's now Sorry. now we're getting a little now we're getting a little meaty here. <laughs> you know, There's I'm, no feud. It's just we just don't think the same way. <laughs> look, I, I read a great quote recently, and it said that you know the CSCO is going to be at the top of the suite at the top of the C suite sooner or later. The cheap supply chain officer as supply chains become mm-hmm. more and more prominent this year highlighted that even more so a strong curriculum is going to go a long way here what makes a good strong curriculum well many of the departments or some places that have supply chain management they're really they they started out maybe they started from computer science or operations management or like um, sort of operations research so I think what you really have to watch for is that they do embrace all the elements of supply chain management. So they do include a, a good view of logistics, both transportation and distribution, as well as you know all the coordination processes. They've got to include purchasing in there. And then they, they need to have the, the real overarching supply chain piece, as well as the operations piece. So you really want to make sure that if you're getting a major in that area, that you are getting classes in each of those areas and more depth in some areas. So I think that's really important that it's holistic that way. Some people kind of just change the name of their operations research or their operations management program to supply chain management, and that's not really going to give you what you need. So that would be probably the main thing that I would look for. Um, But there's also, you know, there's some really good schools out there, which, of course, I believe Miami is one of them. And we try to make sure that our students all have internship opportunities if they want them. Um, we have a lot of excellent guest speakers and from industry all the time, all levels, you know, from people who have just started on their job to like chief supply chain officers. Um, we have applied projects that they actually have to do with companies. So it's really making sure that a student has a good exposure to all aspects of supply chain management, as well as real world exposure. Those are really key issues. 
Those are excellent. Those are really excellent issues. And, uh, you know, how do we, in your opinion, uh, what is your advice and how do we advance opportunities for women in the supply chain? Well, I think we're seeing some things that I think are pretty promising happening in that area. So my understanding from talking to my colleagues at different universities is not, is some places have very few women in supply chain. And I know some of those places that do, and I won't call them out, but the ones that do that I know of, they have special programs in place to try to get more women in supply chain management. Um, So they will have more mentoring programs and things like that in place. We at Miami, we have probably at least 40% female. Um, So it's not an issue at all for us, but I think, so part of it is, you know, it's a chicken and egg argument to some extent because they see other people in it and then they join. But we try to make sure that, you know, we have a good variety of guest speakers in that include women. It seems to be really even more important than ever to this generation to have to have maybe more mentoring and to see people like them doing the things that they want to do. Also, um, in terms of getting women interested, they like to see that there are women who have the types of jobs and the types of levels that they have. So I had a, a woman in from Target who was the head of one of their largest uh, distribution centers, very automated, um, carries everything that they have to offer. And she was speaking um, to about 350 students. And she was talking about, you know, her kids and she was talking about this. And so it made you can tell, hey, there's a real person that has a real life that can have this job. It's not, you know, you can't, you don't have to give up everything to be able to be very successful in this area. So there's a lot of that sort of uh, modeling that you see that can be really helpful. And then there's a couple of people who have done just a really amazing job at specifically trying to bring women in. And one of those is Ann Drake. She was the chair of DSC Logistics. And she founded this organization called Awesome for Women in Logistics. And one of the, th- the things that they do is they reach out to universities and they provide scholarships for women to attend their women in logistics meetings and also to go to the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals. They mentor them. Um, they have special meetings for them. So they, they establish like a, a community of people who can work together which is very cool. And they also now, um, every year, they give a full-ride scholarship to a woman for a master's degree at MIT oh, wow. in supply chain. Wow. Yeah. Hey, oh, by so the way, something I, spe- yeah, speaking of education, cool. Christine, Crystal Aguilar and Kathleen Petty, both, uh, I think they are ASU alumni too. They're both saying, go Sun Devils. So they must have looked at your LinkedIn and seen your, your background. <laughs> All uh, right. <laughs> so they're, they're giving a chair there. Um, before we let you go, I mean, this has been a different year. Like right in the next room for me, we're on broadcasting. Uh, my, my kids are learning uh, on laptop, I mean, on uh, on tablets, right? They're painting and learning on mm-hmm. tablets. It's, uh, it's, it's been interesting. It's been a bit of a challenge. How has uh, Return to school been for for Miami and for your program? We right now, we started and we're evaluating it. We started distance. So everything is remote right now. I'm teaching synchronously, which means I hold class at the same time. We have Zoom meetings. We have breakouts. I'm trying to give them the exact same material. We're evaluating um, in about a week or so whether we're going to come back face-to-face or not. If we do, we've got the classroom set up. For distance, a classroom that normally has 40 can have like 10. So the students might be coming in um, every other day for class, you know, kind of switching off. And also, they they do in many cases have the option just to stay remote and finish out the semester this way. And that we're just continually reevaluating it. So it's tough. The students are very good sports about it. Um, I have all sorts of weird technology things that happen. <laughs> I think we all do. They're Am very forgiving. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I'm still having guest speakers. I'm still having them do presentations, projects. So we're doing. We're all doing the best we can to pretend like you know it's normal and get, at least give them a good experience and a good education anyway. Well, Professor, you did an awesome job on our show today. If, if people are interested in learning more about your program or, or more about you, where should I send them? Um, you can send them to uh, LinkedIn. 
to look me up. And we also have a, a supply chain and operations management site on LinkedIn that they can join and follow. Perfect. Elisa, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, and good luck to you and your students. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Thanks. Yeah, she, she was she was excellent. She you know she brought up a good point. How they bring in those guest speakers and they bring in other people, and that's sort of been this byproduct, Michael Vincent, of of having to do a virtual for as many sort of doors that closed on in person stuff. It's really opened up the entire world through these virtual networks of even for us for bringing guests on who we reach out to. People have been more accessible, and even my kids in learning, they don't have to just go through like the pool of Montessori teachers that were just here in Chattanooga. Now they're being taught at a national level by some of the best. Montessori teachers in the world. So I think that's been that's been pretty cool. I mean, I'd still like to get them back in school sooner than later, but you know, we're rolling with what we got to roll with. Yeah, yeah, it's an excellent point because what you just stated is it has opened them up to many more opportunities for learning and and many more resources. Like you said, it's much easier to bring in these uh outside uh teachers, uh, guest speakers, et cetera, to bring, bring the knowledge into the classrooms virtually than it is to schedule them, have them there actually physically. So it's a, it's a great advancement. Another silver lining. TJ Knudsen says, what's up, gang? I have two women in my fleet, and I call them first when I have a hut or complex load. They bring a different level of attention to detail, communication, and customer service. Let's keep growing in that direction. And as if you're listening during Big Rig Barbie's segment, so the issue is that 7% female five years ago, that has fallen down 2%. So let's get some of you back in this fold, you know? We're looking at these capacity numbers. There's money to be made, and she made that great point, too. Uh, in the regular world of business, we, unfortunately, we still live in a country where, where pay isn't equal, right? Isn't, isn't equal among genders in every single company, right? Uh, for, for one reason or another, which I personally think is, is completely unfair. But if you want to democratize that, you know, there is a road on behind the wheel, no uh, pun intended, right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> bad news and good news. Yeah, all right, here it is, good yeah. news. Good news. Safe Driver Week this year saw declines in almost every measurable data point compared to last year. That sounds great, doesn't it? It sure does. I love it. Well, there's a bad that the bad news is that uh, there was an outlier this this year. CVSA says enforcement officials handed out over 2000 citations and over 3000 warnings to commercial vehicles for speed related violations. Uh, last year, that number was about uh, 1400 citations and 2100 warnings. So speed violations on the rise. However, you know, I know a lot of drivers say there's no heat on four-wheelers. Well, speed-related violations led the list of citations of both types of drivers. It's not just commercial drivers that are pulled over. And uh, it was 14,700 for passenger cars and only 2,300 for those commercial vehicles. So, hey, a little win for the uh, drivers here. Yeah, a win by getting more citations. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but still less than the four-wheelers, all right? I mean, speed kills, oh, guys. Oh, yeah, Slow it down. for the four-wheeler, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I've got you. So, hey, I've got some good news for you, Dooner. Okay. Mulan is now on video on demand, giving some content star families something to look forward to, my friend. But, hey, reviews are not that hot. There's the bad news. A lot of the same criticism Disney's live action remakes have faced are present here as well. And it's going to cost you, my friend. Not only do you need to be a Disney Plus subscription or have one, but you also have to fork over Twenty nine ninety nine for the movie as well. It's not getting great reviews. Yeah, you know, people give a lot of those criticisms to live action Disney movies. I wasn't a fan of the Tim Burton ones. I uh, Jungle Book. My kids like that one. They like the live action version. Um, yeah, uh, Lady and the Tramp. They prefer the cartoon version. Uh, Cinderella prefer the cartoon. I mean, usually they're preferring the cartoon. Yeah, my kid. The one that my kids love the best is uh, the uh, live action of Beauty and the Beast. Oh yeah, I love that one. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. That wasn't terrible. Are you? So are you gonna make the plunge on Mulan? I think I'm holding out. Uh, I'm I'm holding out. They, they my kids are uh, girls are really not even into Mulan the cartoon version. So yeah, yeah, my, my neither. Not gonna happen. My boys aren't either. So probably probably not. Not gonna drop that twenty nine ninety nine. This ain't Trolls World Tour. This ain't unhinged. This ain't Bill and Ted's. Well, I can't get unhinged. I keep trolling them on Twitter. I'm trying to force them to do it. They're making no money out there. <laughs> they gotta be on VOD. <laughs> All right. Good news. 
All right, we've, we, we, we talked about this one, right? It was Mondelez. We heard about snack food companies like Mondelez eliminating SKUs, right, to promote efficiency in the supply chain. So we got too many, uh, too many Oreos of, of whack-out flavors, whacked flavors that people don't want. McDonald's, right, they've been getting all this drive-through activity. So they eliminated their version of SKUs, which are hamburgers and menu items at their drive-through to speed up efficiency. Taco Bell looks at this and they say, hey, that's a great idea, right? Well, no, it's not. Bad yeah. idea. One of those casualties, Michael Vincent, is the Mexican pizza. Mexican pizza is a staple at Taco Bell. It's been there as long as I can recall. I remember being at a, at a mall, in uh, at the Arsenal Mall, going to uh, Electronics Boutique, right? And I got a brand new video game. Then I went upstairs to the food court. I went to Taco Bell. I got a Mexican pizza. And then I was in that restroom for 20 minutes afterwards. You can't take that away from me. You can't take the Mexican pizza away from me. You can also make those vegetarian you just say with beans only but not anymore because it's gone now why go to go to mexican pizza for timdooner.com and uh sign the petition and please donate uh, generously to the fund to bring back the mexican pizza for tim Dooner. this guy make grants he's taco bell's president he has the audacity to say this in a news release we're constantly evaluating ways to provide a more efficient restaurant experience and have already begun to see progress from streamlining our menu well i haven't seen progress and so i have thirteen thousand five hundred other people who have signed a petition to bring back the mexican pizza bring back the Mexican pizza, Taco Bell. All right. <laughs> I'm with you. Bring back the Mexican pizza. I, right. I love the Mexican pizza. I'm with you. I'm not quite as passionate as you are about it, but I will certainly sign the signature. I will I will put my John Hancock on there. All right, gang. We're going on we're going on break. There is no what the truck on Monday. It's Labor Day. Everybody enjoy your time off. Uh we'll be back next Friday, though, with Shelly Simpson. You might know her from JB right. Hunt. Talk about talk about women moving America. She's one of the biggest women moving america we're gonna have a very excellent show so you're not gonna want to miss that that'll be at noon and then on tuesday our regular programming resumes all over here right so you're gonna get the midday market update at noon you're gonna get great quarter guys you're gonna get all those other shows if you want to get this on demand look up freightcast in your favorite podcast player get every single freightways podcast or just look up what the truck connect with us at timothy duner that's d-o-o-n-e-r on the twitter or on linkedin or him at vincent the dude on twitter or Michael Vincent. Keep the conversation going. Download that FreightWaves TV app and you watch all this stuff. It's all free content. We've been uploading uh, those live events, those Carrier Summits nonstops that FreightCast feed. So I put a new one every day, dripping them out. Michael Vincent, enjoy time off, man. Peace and love, everybody. Yes.